Hello and welcome to another episode of Sejanan, hosted by James, Stuart and me, Steve. We're just three guys raising awareness around men's mental health. There are no professionals here, it is just us three sharing our own opinions. Each episode, we'll explore different topics and challenges men face when it comes to handling their mental health. Our goal is to get people talking. Today, we are going to be talking about invisible disabilities and their tie to mental health. Um, we've been speaking about this for a little while now, around how you know mental health is quite a big thing, how people are talking about it more, how men specifically are being encouraged to speak more about their mental health problems. Um, but we don't talk about those um, those disabilities that people potentially don't see and how it affects their mental health so we always i think we said it before um you know you see people pull up into a car parking space in a shopping center and they'll stick it into a disability space and people get quite angry because you can't necessarily tell what that disability is um so so yeah so that that particular kind of interaction with people especially if they get um approached by people on the street could potentially be quite stressful for some people um so yeah that's why we're here to talk about so um, as ever, guys, I'll let you chip in. Um, what are your thoughts on invisible disabilities and how do we think it affects their mental health? Oh, God. <clears throat> well, I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? Is it's, it's not like you, like you were saying just now, if someone's in a wheelchair or they've got a broken leg or the, you know, the, whatever, everyone can see it instantly. Um, and it's almost like there's that thing where you have to justify it to other people. Whereas you wouldn't, you would never ask someone to kind of prove that, you know, why are you in a wheelchair? Prove that you're in a wheelchair. You just accept it. Whereas if someone's got, like you say, mental health or you've got depression or ADHD or, or anything like that, it's, it's not always obvious. Um, and I mean, even people that have, that have, you know, chronic pains or, you know, they don't always flare up immediately. You know, they, people won't see them limping or expecting somebody to come out, jump out of a car limping or hopping anywhere, you know, but they could actually be suffering from a real potentially painful ailment. I think the stigma is, is definitely going away, but I think it's still there. I mean, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it, is, it, is, it is strange because, again, like you say, you, you don't know what people are going through, do you? And I think when it comes to – I think there is less um, – ease of access for things for people with stuff like that than there would be for physical issues um like my friend's got adhd and <clears throat> he didn't actually get uh diagnosed until he was well late into his kind of 30s or well probably late into his mid mid 40s actually uh, because it just takes so long to actually do anything and because obviously it's not like a um a physical thing it, the, the weightness just takes forever so these little things that someone has to live with um and doesn't really know what it is until they get diagnosed and it's just such a pain for that respect <clears throat> um so yeah no I, I totally get it you don't really know what people are going through do you no not not at all what about yourself james what are your thoughts it's interesting so i've got a couple of things on this right so you know it, it is getting better and i think you know almost i reflect back to to when I was at primary and secondary school, you know, there was segregation for people with, uh, you know, mental or physical disabilities. There was specific classrooms that they got siphoned off into. Um, oh, wow. And the, 
and the worst thing, you know, they, they were called the unit classes, which was really interesting. And and actually, from the from rest of the school point of view, it was a punishment to get sent to that class. So if you were naughty in class, it was like, no, we'll, we'll send you to the unit class for the afternoon if you keep being naughty. God, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. But the thing is, they were, they were also the, the, this class was literally put right at the end of the of the school, wasn't it? It was literally right at the very very end, mm. away from pretty much everything else and everyone else. Um, thankfully, it's not like that. Well, I don't know. I'm not at school, but I presume it's not like that anymore. No, it's a, it's certainly a lot more inclusive in schools now. Um, I, I do question, um, you know, sometimes to the detriment. And I know what I mean by that is, you know, as some of you know, I'm uh, I work as a school governor in uh, in primary education, and so I get to see firsthand, uh, you know, what goes on in, in primary education through, you know, going and, and monitoring certain elements of, of teaching and learning in schools. And what I do find, you know, quite difficult is that teachers end up in situations where they'll have, you know, uh, pupils in their class with with conditions like like ADHD um, that can be very disruptive to the the education setting and that does have a detrimental impact on the other students that are in the class now you know whilst the local local authorities have you know provisions so they'll they'll apply funding to bring in you know one to one help and things like that it does have an impact so it is a it is a balancing act i think of you know inclusivity and and you know, giving those people with these conditions the the ability to not feel segregated and to feel part of the wider school community, but it's a balance between that and actually, uh, you know, not impacting the education of other of other pupils. It's very very difficult for teachers today. I think. Yeah, I didn't think about it when you when you were saying about you know, it's to a detriment. Is is how so? You know, and then you made a very good point. Is there are certain conditions that do create disruption in the classroom. My mum used to be a TA and she used to say the same thing. It was, you know, there's certain children that have got, um, you know, ADHD potentially is a great one, you know, like you say, to, where, you know, it would cause disruption to the class. And I often wonder whether you, you say about the balance is they do need to be in the classroom because you don't want to segregate them. They need to mm. feel like, no, but maybe there should be somewhere that they can calm down, wind down, relax, kind of get their bearings and, before they come back to the class do you know what i mean so like a kind of a timeout area i don't mean timeout like naughty step on the stairs as if like you you know your kid was stealing cookies or something but the kind like of a decompression type yeah area. that's it perfect yeah exactly yeah. decompression that sort of place to go and and because that way you're not segregating you're going you know you're not in the right environment at the moment you need to go and do something about it and then have those people like you say you have the one-to-one -one help that schools generally get um support with now and they can go and support them in there um but it's got, it's got to be tough. It's got to be really tough for the teachers. I, I, I totally agree with that. It's got, I, imagine though, right? And I know what you're saying, but imagine being a disabled child or a child with a disability, a mental disability, and your teacher in front of everybody telling them that if they are naughty, they're going to go and get sent to that group of kids. I mean, that's got to, that's got to hit you hard. Yeah as a kid generally you know what's wrong with me sort of thing you know I'm... i think the worst thing is is this that when they i mean i seem to remember that they would go for, didn't they used to go out they would put these children out um to to kind of break time and it wasn't really the same time as everybody else was it it was staggered wasn't it i think yeah. so yeah 
um and, and you think like but again like it, yeah it's it, it it must be horrible for that kid who was in that class back then to see these kids coming in as a punishment for the kids because obviously kids are cruel let's be honest kids are fucking awful some of the worst yeah and like back then when it was like less of a um less educated i suppose is probably a, a good way of putting it it was just it was just a breeding ground for bullying really and that's that's horrible when you think about it absolutely absolutely yeah and bullying bullying was quite was well, i don't know if it, i don't want to say if, if it was more prevalent back in the day it's sort of handled a bit differently now isn't it people are people are more aware of it schools are more aware of it now they do more to deal with it but it's still quite a big thing and i wonder if like you're saying there steve is like you know, breeds bullying i wonder if it's better nowadays for children with disabilities because they are seen more as normal i mean i don't know um i think i think so to an extent i do you know um certainly you know my my observation and not so much from my my time as a as a school governor but certainly from my kids growing up you know where they had individuals in their class that did have you know learning difficulties or special educational needs it was just part of the norm and you know particularly i guess for me you know having having a son that had you know quite severe speech and language issues because he you know, he he went to nursery, he went to primary with with the same class. They effectively transitioned through the school as a, as a group. It was just accepted. Oh, that was him. That was the way he was. You know. But I think that's a good way to be. Mm, agree. I think it's good for the for you to, to like you just said, um, to do is to normalise it. Is to kind of you know some kids are different. You know, and and that and that they shouldn't be feared or or kind of ridiculed for that difference and everyone's supposed you know should should go through that and and just work with that kid so then that kid doesn't feel like they're broken or whatever um and it makes me wonder sometimes i had thought about this actually um those kids that were in the unit back when we were at school how that affected them as adults so like whether or not when they got older whether or not that became like in their head they were like oh yeah shit i remember when that happened to mm. me or whether or not it was something that just never phased them do you know what i mean yeah yeah and, and you know certainly when i was still living in the, the the alpington area i used to bump into some of the some of the kids i got to know from those days you know in the high street and stuff it should be an interesting conversation to have wouldn't it you know what's the what what's been the impact well especially when you're talking about like invisible issues like you know that kind of thing that could all those kind of things could potentially cause, um, you know, self-esteem issues, depression, anxiety, social anxiety, you know, all those kind of things mm. based on that. Well, depression and anxiety are two of the, the hugely um, sort of hidden uh, mental health illnesses that people talk about so much, but you just can't see it. Like the signs are almost impossible sometimes to see it, like, like, what, you know, because people hide it really well. There are some people, don't get me wrong, that use the word depression and anxiety like they're reading through the dictionary, you know, because they want the attention. And that happens. I get that. But there are people that the people that have really got depression and people that have really got high functioning anxiety or, or really struggle with anxiety. They tend not to talk about it and spend most of their time with a false smile on their face. And that that's a real tough one. To, and I know people that have suffered with depression and, you know, I, I've known them for, you know, maybe 10 or 11 years. Didn't have a clue. 
did not have a clue about it until one day, you know, the conversation came out. Oh, yeah, no, I, you know, I do suffer from depression. So all right, I literally had no idea. Do you know? Do you know what? Right, it, it's an interesting one. I was I was chatting to a uh, a head teacher a few weeks back, and and we were talking about diagnoses for for children. Right, and this was you know a bit of an off the off the cuff sub conversation, but you know you get that. That there's and and I think it, it rings true into adult life as well as you know parents and and children right you got you've got two camps here effectively right you've got the camp of um victim mindset right so that you know oh no I can't do that because I've got this or you know my my son or my daughter can't do that because they've got this versus you know the the other side of it where you know people own it and they actually you know own their conditions and they actually are come out of it the other side they want to do better they want to progress and they're not going to let that stop them and i know we're talking we've talked a lot about children with this in terms of school and you, again you just said something really really stuck out there mm. is when you're an adult that's an easier decision because you've grown a bit better so you can make the decision you know what actually i'm not going to let this get me down anymore i'm going to get on with it i'm not going to deal with it but you just said the, the the one thing there that really struck out was the parents saying it mm. is the parents driving the conversation saying my son stroke daughter can't do this because they've got this problem. And then immediately feeds into the fact that the child's like, I can't do that because my parents say it's a problem and it's an issue. There's no motivation to that child to say, do you know what? You're all right. It's okay. I understand it, but maybe you can do this or maybe you can try that and look for suitable ways of supporting their child rather than just blankly going, Oh, they've got ADHD, so they can't do that. Or they suffer from depression, so they can't do that. On the other side of that, though, um, you have parents who don't believe in... Well, not believe in, that's probably the wrong word. But you'll get parents that will just be like, oh, God, everything's mental health nowadays, oh, whatever. And so growing up, you don't you don't ever say anything because it's never validated. So when you, you, you have that, you, you know, it's, it's a, it, it goes both ways because you can have you know, people just repressing stuff because they don't feel like what they're going through is, you know, is actually something worth talking about. I agree. I think everything's a spectrum. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people don't actually want a solution half the time, do they? They just want to be heard because it makes them feel better. It's like, you know, I've, I've got this or I've got that. Or I struggle with this or I struggle with that. I don't want you to do anything about it. I just wanted to say something and then it'd be validated as a real, like you said there, I love that word validation because it is, it is to just go, do you know what, actually, I, I see that. And then you can do do with it what you will at that point. Well, you think for me as an adult, I mean, I, I suffer from <clears throat> depression and anxiety and social anxiety and all that shit. Um, and my friend, who I'm really good friends with, uh, he's got ADHD, like I said, the one that was um, diagnosed later on in life. And uh, there are times when we're having a chat about it and, and he's very open about it. You know, he'll, if, if he does something and he'll go, Oh shit, sorry, ADHD brain. And y you kind of, you get an idea as to kind of why he behaves in a certain way. Um, <laughs> and there were times where he's kind of gone ah, and he's asked me questions because there are some things that I do that I've always done and never thought anything of it. And um, he was like, have you ever thought about doing a test? I was like, no, why would I? He was like, I would just, just, you know, probably do a test. So I did one of those ones that, you know, that the, um, I think it's the World Health Authority or something like that. The online ones, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah where they ask you to see, to answer these questions. And if you get a certain amount, then your chances are you, you, you're high at risk of ADHD. And I did those. 
and um and mine came up with a high possibility of being ADHD. <clears throat> but the problem is I haven't been diagnosed officially because it takes so long to actually do it. So for me, yes, I would I would like and I don't even know why, I suppose I would like to have that. Whether I want to sort it out or not, it'll just give me better understanding as to why I am the, the way I am. And that also helps when it comes to explaining to others, oh, if I ever do this or shit, my bad, that's because of whatever. Like saying what James was saying, you know, when you kind of understand more, it's less uh, scary and it's kind of you have a better understanding of why a person behaves a certain way. Yeah. So is your, is your plan to go and do that? I mean, are you going to go and see your GP and start that process or? Well, the thing is, is it's um, so I, I am speaking to my mate because obviously he knows well, it took him three years. Yeah. Um, and it can take anything up to up to three to four years. So it is something that I'm looking at. But at the minute, it's just one of them things that's kind of gone on the back burner and I haven't really thought about it because um, you just well, you just kind of get on with it. Mm. But I don't know whether. Yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 it's not one really. But again, it's one of them things where not many people know. Well, one out, however many people listen, will now know. All six. I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no judgment from you six people. Yeah. I think it's a generational thing as well. Like for me, <clears throat> it takes a lot to talk about stuff like that. It's easy to do in this because, like, mm. you know, I know you two. And obviously, it's I'm not sat in front of a, a room full of people saying it. Like, if you'd actually speak out about it, because when we were growing up, that was all. It was all very new, and people didn't really talk about it, and it was all very much, ugh, whatever. So you go on with that, thinking, oh well, I have to keep it to myself. Whereas I think nowadays, like you said, it's more, it's more open, and the, the stigma's going, which is good. I think that's what we need. Mm. It just needs to be a little bit easier for people to get the help and advice that they need. I think that might be where the internet helps or hinders. Well, yeah, it will equally the same with anything, isn't it? Mm. It helps and hinders. You've got people that seriously want to look at the internet and research something and read it properly and then you've got the people that want to read on the internet and then go i've got every illness under the sun because dr google said so so it does have its flip side you know back back to i suppose we've, we've spoken about this a few times now on different episodes that the state of mental health services it via the nhs in the in the uk is an absolute shambles and i don't mean that in terms of people that work in the services i think they do a fantastic job i just don't think they have enough resources or or people at their disposal to deal with deal with this stuff you know three years to get diagnosed with the adhd it took my son 13 years to be diagnosed as autistic that's just crazy 13 years so they started the process uh when he was four years old and concluded it well i suppose just under just under 13 years concluded it recently and and he's now effectively signed off in signed off because there's nothing more they can do because he's now classed as an adult that's ridiculous isn't it he was signed off from child mental health services because of that after after 13 years. It's like, oh, well, it's not our problem. They're going to have to start the whole thing all over again as an adult. Mm. I was um, I was interviewing somebody a, a while back and they'd been uh, diagnosed with ADHD, but they'd gone down the private route rather than wait for um, wait for mental health services in the UK via the NHS. Um, and the problem was that was great because they had the disposable income to do it, but it costs them thousands. And now they're in a situation where they're shelling out circa £700 a month for medication privately. Yeah, it's super, super expensive, yeah. Yeah, and they cannot get it moved back to the NHS. They they are now going through a process where you can get a bi-party agreement set up with the NHS where they will effectively fund half of your medication. That's crazy, isn't it? Mm. 
to think that like that person needs that that medication, and the only reason they went private was because it it would just take so long to get it done on the NHS. Yep. It's a very victim statement I'm going to make here, but what it is is it's unfair, is what it is. And it actually is genuinely something that is unfair because the person has gone ahead and done something for themselves to do things better, paid money out of their own pocket, but at the point that they require the support from a national health service they've probably been paid into for a fair while, they're being told, actually, no, we're not going to do that now. So it is just unfair. Mm. Just doesn't seem right. No, I agree. Um, the, the other point I wanted to touch on, and I said I had two points, right? So there was a there was a phone in recently on uh, LBC, um, which you guys probably know I listen to a lot. There are other radio talk shows available, um, but um, they were talking about disabilities and how people are treated with disabilities. And there was a guy who phoned in um, who was a blind guy with a dog, and he said, you know, he's been blind for thirty five years, and he's had every sort of abuse you could possibly imagine in that 35 years for being blind, you know, to the absolute extreme of people throwing rocks at him and his dog. But what kind of fucked up people are throwing rocks at a blind guy and his dog? Like Jesus H fucking Christ. Yeah. 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 But look at what the fucked up kind of people we've got in this world anyway, mate. You see it on the news every day. Turn, turn it on and someone's done some daft fucking thing and you sit there and just go, just either just get a job and live your life and move on with life or just expire so none of us have to deal with your fucking shit you know and that's it because they're just nasty people in the world and then there was another guy who phoned in similar situation he said you know i'm blind i've got a dog and i get a load of stigma about it he said um he now tells people that he was in the military and that's how he became blind he said that's not true at all he said but just watch how people's attitude changes the minute that you say yeah, I was I was in the military and in combat, and that's how I lost my sight. And people instantly switch to, you know, well, thank you for your service to the country. Mm. It's a it's a tough one, and I think you know you look at like people that have those not not necessarily you know people blind with a dog, but you look at those hidden conditions. So like the chronic pain that people may suffer, sleep disorders or ADHD or depression or anxiety and things is, you know, that I think some of the challenges that that people face. You've got that kind of lack of empathy, so people really understanding or skepticism or even believing it you know and again we've spoken on previous episodes i think there's that you know there's the people that really suffer that are diagnosed and then suffer the 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 pushback of people not believing it and then you get people that that on the other side of the the kind of seesaw if you like that play it to their advantage and use that as a means to you know get more benefits get a council house get this get that you know um and you see, which is another stigma, isn't it? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. You see some of these pro, and, it, and it's kind of stigmatized more by the the programs you see on TV. You, you, you kind of your benefits Britain and stuff like that. You know where they they'll show a story of someone that's on benefits and it's a risk of being stopped because you know they they've got a they're, they're saying they've got a condition which is stopping them from working and they go to the job centre and they then assess them and and all that kind of stuff. You know, and it's. So it's it's polarizing TV to watch. However, the knock-on effect of that is the people that really do have these conditions end up suffering because they're then tarred with that brush. Well, you yeah, I mean everyone they get vilified, and the issue there is that you just you you assume everyone's like that. Mm. But then it doesn't really help when you've got um, like yeah, when you do have people that just don't bother. I mean, it's all going to change, isn't it? Um, mm. With regards to 
the benefits side of things. They're going to kind of basically make people work, whether you're ill or not. Um, and if you don't, then you don't get anything. So it'll be interesting to see like how that works because it's almost like you're, you're kind of, they're making it really difficult for people who are genuinely suffering, really. So I, I want to comment on that, but I'm not going to because I don't know enough about it and I'll get myself into trouble. But in that respect, I think that if if that system was run properly like that, like properly, properly, like as in the checks were done properly and it wasn't just about your physical health, that it was including your mental health as well as part of the checking, it, it's not a bad thing to try and weed out those people that can work but won't work. But that's that you do risk it, like you say, the risk is there of people then struggling to get their benefits because they generally do have an illness. Um, but it's a hard one. I haven't read about it. I don't know what the plans are. All of because you can sit there and go, "Good, get off their asses and get them working." But actually, you, you step step back and you look right into it and you go, "Actually, Steve, what you just said there is bang on." Is how much harder is it going to make it for those people that are genuinely struggling though to now spend? I don't know another three, four different steps, different hoops trying to jump through and what effect will that have on their mental health because of it? The issue as well, I think with, I think like everything, it's all, it's all open, isn't it? To, to, to misuse and, and what have you, but you can't really disprove a person's mental illness. Like if you've got, a, you got one leg, you can't really disprove that because they've got one leg. But if someone goes, oh, I've, I can't work because of depression, you can't really, I don't know, you can't really, do you know what I mean? Someone could go, well, I can't work because of I'm depressed all the time, but they're not. And it's harder, I think that's harder to to kind of get the sympathy there and, and the understanding because some people be like, oh God, you're just sad. God, it's got to work. Yeah, it's a lot harder to prove or disprove, isn't it? If someone that's that's missing limbs, for example, you know, it's it's very visible. It's in your it's in your face. You you can see it. You can quantify it. Um, but I suppose the other again, the other side of the seesaw on that is is you know, for want of a better phrase, people that pull the mental health card when they don't want to do something or don't you know are in a situation they find particularly awkward. And I think that's that doesn't help the stigma. And that doesn't help the people that are genuinely suffering um, and do need help. Like that's the thing, isn't it? When you've that, that's where it opens it up to to, to kind of misuse mm. because, like you say, people can get out of anything. Oh, I can't bother. Why? Oh, social anxiety. Just can't be doing it. But yeah, so it is it is quite difficult. And I don't think we're ever going to get to that point where it's like a hundred percent. Everyone's like, yeah, 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 totally get it. I've got a I've got a couple of thoughts on on benefits. Um, and again, some people listening may may agree. Some people may hate me for saying this, right? So I had a conversation with uh, with a, a distant family member quite a few years ago now. So we're probably talking, I don't know, eight nine years ago, and uh, they were on they were on benefits. You know, council house didn't work at all, so it was hundred percent benefits, and uh, had opportunity to get a uh, a job working in a local supermarket, but they decided not to take it on the basis that the job was for 20 hours and they could only work a maximum of 16 hours without their benefits being stopped. And and for me, it was kind of a, wow, really, you're going to take that route? You know, because I guess my, my ethos is, you know, as we've spoken on previous episodes, I, I, I live to work and I always will be working as, as long as I can. I don't understand, you know, someone's someone's mentality when, you know, they have the opportunity to work but choose not to because of you know, it will affect their benefits. But I I just want to kind of capture that in, you know, where we are at the moment with the, with the cost of living crisis. I can imagine 
that we're probably having situations where people receiving benefits it would be financially detrimental to them to go and work because they wouldn't earn as much money as they currently do on benefits so how do they then support their families but i think that's been an issue not just during this this cost of living crisis i think that's always been an issue because people do again it goes back to what you were saying these people who are kind of on these benefit programs and then you see how much money they actually get every month and they're like well why would i work i'm getting more money doing bugger all than you are going to work for 40 45 hours a week yeah uh, for, and, and it's you know that's i think that's where the, the, the system's broken it's very difficult I, I think and especially with like you say with these unseen things it, it's it's unless there's like a, a proper way of it sort, sorting it out it's, i don't think there's it's ever going to really change no no so you were you were talking about uh you're talking about your boys um AD, you know his autism diagnosis autism yeah. so have you have you found anything any kind of anything out there that 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 you found helpful for him obviously now he's classed as an adult is there anything out there for adult sides of things that you think oh, okay i'm going to pursue that or is it not as easy i think uh so there's been there's been some offers in terms of you know working groups and things like that that he can go to to, to connect with other people that are in his situation um he's not particularly interested on the basis that you know he's 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 lived with it for the last 17 years he copes i think for him it was more important to uh get the official diagnosis so that you know he can make people aware mm. you know so certainly you know when applying for jobs or or college or university or whatever he's doing not that he he wants it to be a hindrance in that sense but he just wants people to be aware so that when they are you know factoring in what he's doing they're aware of it yeah. Same same as a, he's got with his speech and language. So, you know, like his employer is, has been fantastic. They're aware of it and they don't put him in roles where he has to interact with the general public because that's what he asked for. So, yeah, And that's good, are. though, isn't it? It's good mm. that you've got, if, you know, that... Um, and, and, I, and I totally... I mean, that's, that's one of the things why I was thinking about going ahead and actually doing the diagnosis for the ADHD for myself. Not because I want to, you know, band it around like I've got it, you know, in a... In a on a, on a certificate or anything, but more for my own thing, just so it's like you say, justification. Well, okay, that's it, you know. And and if ever ever having anything ever come up, I could, oh well, that'll be why. So, but I found as an adult, I found it's quite difficult, and I don't know whether or not that's because I just don't know where to look, or when it comes to going going online, it's it's quite difficult. I don't really want to go down the route like you were saying about the person you were speaking about earlier, like down the private route, there's no fucking way I could afford that shit. Mm. I mean, that's crazy. I guess probably, you know, and I haven't researched it, but I'm sure there's probably charities out there that uh, have support networks that you could, you could tap into um, because that's, you know, oh, sorry, I feel like I'm dragging my soapbox out here. Right. But because of the, the, the car crash that is, you know, the funding for the NHS, they are relying heavily on charities to to fill that gap. So I'm sure there there probably is charities out there that have uh, support lines and things that you can you can speak to. Um, or I don't know if your employer's got an employee assistance program. That might be a good starting point. They do, but it's kind of one of them things where it's kind of like everything's always about people who already have ADHD. So everything's all all, all kind of geared towards assuming that you have it. 
there's never really anything that I can see there that that goes down the route of trying to diagnose you as an adult of having it. Mm. So it's all kind of either with kids being uh, like diagnosed or people or just yeah that you have it. So it, I found I found it quite difficult trying to find as an adult to get diagnosed because you'd like <laughs> you'd think wouldn't you by by forty you'd think oh well I probably should have known this by now. But it's not until you get older and you start looking at things and you you get to know other people with it. And then you start going, oh, hang on, I do that. Oh, shit, that's me. I do that. And then you kind of look it up and, you know, I mean, now my TikTok, pretty much everything I look at has got something to do with ADHD or, or, or something like that at some stage. Mm. Which, again, I think this is another thing that's good uh, for, like, people who are suffering with things that aren't physical is that when you do have things like, like what I just said there with like TikTok or, or Instagram, if someone kind of searches it, then the algorithm will find that and give more and more people things that are relating to that, um, which again, normalizes what that person's going through. I think so. But again, pinch of salt because there, there's an alternative side to everything, isn't there? And like, you know, it's like looking at, at weight loss, weight loss videos on TikTok, right? You know, you'll see oh God, yeah. loads of people with magic pills. <laughs> again, we've spoken about this previously on other episodes, like, you know, yeah, just, just swallow this, swallow this pill three times a day and the, the way it will drop off you. And then you've got the real people that are more like, you know, no facts and figures and stats. So. But that's the thing though, isn't it? How do you know who to listen to? So again, that goes with, that goes on to like self-esteem issues. Mm. So like, you know, you know, you go on and you see all these different people kind of Going, you know, oh, you know, it's not, it's not this that's making you fat. It's this. All you got to do is that, and then you get people going, well, that's not true. So you sit there and you think, well, fucking hell. And then you get all these people like these videos where you know they'll take the the best lighting ever, and they'll make themselves look super ripped because they're literally just tensing every single muscle in their body. They don't look like that all the time, which again then just gives unrealistic body you know image yeah. so then guys see that and they think oh well if i don't look like that oh, fucking hell i'm terrible and blah, blah 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 that can't be good either and again that just goes into you know fueling issues with like, mm, it's body body dysmorphia yep yeah and actually that's another another you know hidden hidden thing isn't it eating disorders and body dysmorphia yeah definitely it's bad isn't it like that's the thing though i don't think like I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not diminishing what uh, women go through. They go through terrible shit, and like you say, the same thing. Go on Instagram, and everyone's looks spotless. But I don't think this is the problem. Like it, people don't really kind of tend to kind of look at the male side of things. It's always usually kind of geared towards you know women's body image and stuff like that. But men have that. You know, guys, if they don't look like a certain way, then they're nothing. And I think that's that needs to kind of these whole you know, fitness videos and shit, people like that need to understand that their words and what they do have impact mm. on genuine, you know, real people. Yeah. Especially sometimes these people do genuinely think they're trying to help. That's the problem. Mm. Like there's no thought about it. You know, And I think going back to what you were saying about who do you listen to? Well, actually, sometimes it's, it's a bit of all of them sometimes, apart from the ones you look at and go, fuck off, you know, like the stupid ones. But some of them actually mm. got real good points. Depends on how your body works. And, you know, we're all very different, aren't we? How we're, our body manages stuff. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, someone's, someone's only eat, I don't know, rice for 365 days might work for them. You know, I don't know, for another person, it might be work out three times a week for 30 minutes. It's everyone's got a very different way of dealing with stuff. But, You've got to find your it, haven't you? The way that it suits you. Um, the difficult thing is, like you were saying, you've got to find your it 
yeah, exactly. You got you, you got to navigate it. That's the problem around all the people that are giving it to you. Yep, and and not be pigeonholed. That's the other yeah, thing, right? So yeah. you know, we're we're all sensible adults. Go and do your research. Look at as many different sources as you uh, as you possibly can. Like for me at the moment, I've got a I've got a real hard on for a guy called Gary Brecker, who's who's appeared on the scene. So. <laughs> Like you, you watch some of his videos, and he has got answers for pretty much every medical condition out there. And he's, uh, he's basically he's, he's uh, what's what's the word that people, people call him a biohacker, effectively, right? So he'll go, uh, you know, this medical condition that's not a medical condition. You know, you're you're being given drugs for the sake of it. What you need to do is go and have a test and look for deficiencies in your, you know, um, in your body, and then supplement them. But what just out of interest, what? is his qualification to give that kind of information out what makes him different from anyone else he is a certified bio i can't remember the words now but basically he's a professor of biology right okay he runs a company or he used to run a company that do uh genome tests on people so with a with a cheek swab effectively they get a full breakdown of your entire um genetic makeup and you can see where the deficiencies are in things so um he did quite a long uh podcast with joe rogan it's probably worth a worth a watch because he does talk about adhd in there as well right okay and some of the ways you can help manage that but again that's just a single source right so you know there's, there's plenty of other other views out there and i'm sure you know although he's his view is very much around supplementing rather than medicating um with natural supplements you know i'm sure there's other professionals out there that are says an absolute whack job and you should be taking your pills every day you know a lot of it's run by the funding though as well isn't yeah. it yeah what people get how much money it makes depending on what you decide you're going to push on the internet yeah it's, that's the thing though isn't it like how do you know who to listen to what does he look like is he like ripped and shit he's not ripped but he is uh i mean he's not like you know he's not like arnold schwarzenegger ripped but he's he's relatively uh toned i suppose is the word to call yeah i mean he don't he's looked after himself hasn't he yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't prance around with his shirt off right he's not that kind of person but you can see from the way his shirt fits him that he's got you know re- relatively well developed biceps and pectoral muscles and stuff you know bloody hell you have got hard on for him haven't you <laughs> <laughs> like he's so beautiful damn boy <laughs> <laughs> Well, well. Anyway, on that note, on that note, and there we go. Look, <laughs> we've managed forty-two minutes of really good debate, and then you come along and just drag it into the gutter. Hey, hey, hey! This is the reason you bring me on. The, the, yes, that is it? It's true. We've been pretty calm today, actually. I think this is um been been quite a, a calm and tame episode. So we'll we'll kill we'll kill that in a minute. There's one more element I want to talk about before we 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 delve into the gutter, right? And that's I think when you're looking at hidden conditions, both physical and mental, it's the impact on people's social life as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, avoiding those social situations because of your depression or your anxiety or, you know, because you're in chronic pain, you're not able to get out and socialize with your friends and things. And, you know, that just compounds the issue, doesn't it? Because, you know, as human beings, we want to interact, we want to, you know, have relationships with people. And if you're unable to do that, that's just got to make things worse for you. Well, I sent you that um that reel, didn't I, from Instagram about that guy. It showed him getting up in the morning, having breakfast, well, brush, brushing your teeth, having breakfast, doing whatever you want to do, getting, getting dressed, getting to work, you know, finishes that work, goes home, has his dinner, rings his friends, goes to sleep. And then it shows you all the bits in between. Yeah. 
that nobody sees. So like the bit before he got out of bed, he was in bed with crippling anxiety because he didn't want to get up for the day. And then, you know, deciding whether he wanted to eat some food because of he didn't want to, you know, affect his body in any way. And it went on from that. And it was those gaps that you didn't see. And it was like, whilst you on the outside, you see this perfect life, this guy getting up, doing the normal daily stuff is you don't see the gaps in between that show where people really suffer. Um, mm. If I can find that, that real actually i'll post it on the um the site because i thought it was really good really really good so i always saw this little uh this this kind of it's like a cartoon thing of this guy who similar situation with what you were just talking about you know in the day and he's kind of walking around and he's got this smile on his face the whole time and and then he comes home closes the door and is that the whole house is like dark and stuff and he goes into the bathroom turns the light on and you see him staring in the mirror and then he just kind of takes his face off which is like a smile and he puts it somewhere and then underneath is his real kind of like, Oh, fuck my life face. And it's kind of like, we all wear a mask every day. And again, that I thought was quite good because I looked at that and think, yeah, shit, you know, you, you don't. And again, it goes back to what you were saying, like you don't know what people are going through when you see them, you get people who kind of keep it to themselves. And it's, it's crazy, isn't it? When you think that all these things that people have going on, and sometimes they don't even can't even talk to the people who are closest to them. And that and that leads us kind of into to how we potentially support people, I suppose. Really, that is exactly you know coming from that point. Not knowing it is is before we sort of close out. Is is there are ways? There are obviously things that like I say that you can do. I don't mean you, but like people can do to 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 support people. And a lot of it is around education. You know, you listen to these podcasts, you jump on the internet, and if you think somebody's suffering, is about trying to find out and get yourself some, you know, actually informed information to support with people and understand the conditions. You know, with some of the stuff we've spoken about today is quite easy to view on the internet. And some of the, you know, if you go to credible sources, you'll be able to understand about anxiety and depression and how it affects people. Um so you can be a little bit more understanding of those particular things, you know, speak to people, you know, don't, don't be frightened of doing it. It's about moving that, removing that misconception, isn't it? And, you know, not, not being part of the stigma, not creating part of it because that's what you've seen on a television program or so on and so forth. Um, park the judgment. Park the judgment. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you've got to be kind of willing to engage in open dialogue with people and chat to them and, and, and support, you know, the people around you. Um, and it comes back to the same things, doesn't it? You know, it's, it, 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 this has kind of come about in the last so many years about the safe spaces. And we talk about it a lot with safe spaces, but, you know, take it as you will define it how you want. But some people define their safe spaces, the people that they're around or the environments they feel more comfortable in. And, and it's about understanding how people can be more comfortable in those positions. Um, I think, like I said earlier on, sometimes it's just about listening more than anything. It's just listening to what people have got to say because you'll be driven by the conversation. So, you know, and it goes all over the place. You know, you get people at work that feel like it. And, you know, especially with where we work, James, obviously we've got a good diversity and inclusion network where people, you know, are welcome to come and chat and be involved in that kind of thing. So a lot of businesses are adopting that. So, yeah, I think for me it's, um, yeah, listen and be informed. They're the two things that I think probably for me would say that people would benefit from in supporting people with mental health uh, or specifically with hidden mental health disabilities. And I think the other takeaway from today is, you know, if, if you have a feeling or an inkling that you do have an underlying mental health condition, start the process, you know, because of the time it takes to get anything forward, start it sooner rather than later. 
Yeah, that is good advice, especially considering you've had first-hand experience of that, James. So Yes, yeah, absolutely. Bless you, Paul. Uh, but there we go. So anyway, guys, thank you very much. I think that's um, certainly been a very informative topic this week. But as ever, we are going to delve into the gutter because that's where we live and we can't finish <laughs> any of these. That's where you live. Yes, I do live in the gutter. Everyone that I know will say the same thing. So it's not like I even need to disprove that. Fact. Um. I'm going to crack off. Uh, I'm not going to do that. Can you wait till we stop recording, please? I'm not going to do that. Wrong show. No, I don't want to clean another microphone off. Right. Um, I'm going to start off with a joke for me today because I want to get my joke out of the way because I'm either going to deliver this like an absolute toss bag or it's going to come out perfectly. So, here we go. So, I don't know if you know this, but my penis was in the Guinness Book of World Records. Well, at least it was until the librarian told me to take it out. (laughs) (laughs) True story. There you go. That's me done. Who's next? I just paid 200 quid for a belt that doesn't fit. What a huge waste. (laughs) Very good. Very good. Well done. Um, So I've got a, I've got a couple of friends who identify as, as uh, lesbians and um, they bought me, a really, really great birthday present. However, I think they got the wrong end of the stick when I said I'd like to watch. <laughs> oh, God. Jesus. They, could, they, they might get better. Will they? No, they won't. They won't. I don't, think they, don't promise people something that's never going to happen. <laughs> well, look, look, it has been a brilliant episode this week. Really enjoyed it, guys. Um, I know we've got a couple more coming up soon. So, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to recording a few more. Um, I would say that it's been a pleasure having you, Steve. Don't lie to me. So, you know, <laughs> it's kind of just like part of the part of the course. So, but no, thanks for joining us again, Steve. It's been fantastic. So, as it's been a pleasure as always. It's always good to to come on and uh, and uh, have a chat with you guys. Yeah, you're like part of the furniture now. <laughs> what kind of furniture would I be? I was just going to say, he's like the chair leg or something like that. <laughs> Why would I be the leg? Why would I not be the whole chair? <laughs> I don't know. You're like, that, you're like that used chair that everyone likes to climb into. <laughs> <laughs> the used chair, you fucking cheeky bitch. <laughs> hey, I've known you for the best part of 40 years. I can get away with that. <laughs> oh, that's true. It is. God, we're fucking old. Let me let me just tell you a quick story before we go, and you you might want to edit this one out later on, right? So, if I if I think back to my earliest memories of Steve, right, it was Saturday afternoon, sitting at home, watching <clears throat> Rolf's Cartoon Club on telly, with uh, Steve jumping up and down outside, like trying to peer through my lounge window, <laughs> um, and then knocking on the door, and my mum answering it, and going, "Can James come out to play?" No, Steve, no. He's just about to have his dinner, you know. And then he carry on jumping up and down outside the window, like trying to trying to get my attention, you know. See, ADHD kid. <laughs> well, he was a pervert. Then. Voyeur, yes, voyeur. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Eat that fucking meal. <laughs> oh, yeah, watching whilst watching Rolf Harris. This is not. A good, I know that didn't age good well, look. did it? Yeah, not. A I know, no. I just wanted my time with Rolf, but no, I had to have somebody look peering through the window at me. You had a three. You already had two little boys. Yeah. Oh dear. 
This could this could go this could go very sour if we carry on everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think this is a long enough episode as it is. So thanks for joining Stephen. Thanks for joining James. It's been a wonderful episode as ever, and we will catch you on the next one. Catch you later, guys. Thanks. Bye. Well, thank you very much for listening to us today. Now, we're all very eager to hear any thoughts or suggestions that you might have. So why not connect with us via email at sedjonan at onthemend.org.uk or you can hit us up on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok using the handle at sedjonan. And failing that, you can also locate On The Mend on Facebook or LinkedIn. So if you'd like to support the On The Mend charity, why not consider treating us to a coffee? And you can find the link to do so in our show notes. Thanks again. Thank you.